The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. Well, it was a big week in the budget process with the governor filing House 1, his fiscal 2020 budget recommendation this week. But before we get into all that and some of the other news this week, we should note that in addition to Colin Young, Katie Lannon, and Matt Murphy, uh, we've got uh, another uh, reporter at our uh, takeout table this week. Uh, We've got Chris Lasinski joining us. Hi, Chris. Hi, all. How are you doing? Uh, We're all doing well. Thanks. Hi, guys. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey. And uh, we'll, we'll chat with Chris uh, later on in the podcast, but wanted to welcome him. He started on Tuesday as our newest Statehouse News Service reporter. But back to House One. Um, Let's start with you, Katie. Uh, A big theme or a a big takeaway from the governor's budget recommendation is uh, what it would do for education funding and his own updates to the foundation budget system. Uh, What's what's your big takeaway? Yeah, that's right, Sam. This week was the day uh, people have been waiting for. um, And depending on how you count it, that's either from the governor when the governor teased in his inaugural address that he was going to address education funding or it's since no, uh, November 2015 when the Foundation Budget Review Commission put out its report on um, underfunding. And the governor's proposal would would tweak, uh, really bigger than tweak, overhaul the foundation budget formula, um, so increasing it by more than a billion dollars. Now, that's not a billion dollars in state money. That's state and local money. And we'd see this play out in next year's budget um, under House One in an increase of $200 million to Chapter 70, the, the school funding line item. He's also got um, one of the interesting things to watch is a, an additional accountability measure, measure that would give the education commissioner the ability to withhold Chapter 70 funds from uh, central office funds, not student services and, or, educa- or classroom funds in underperforming districts and use them for future reforms. That's something that's met backlash from the, the teachers' unions, but it's in, in keeping with um, Baker and his education secretary, Jim Pizer's philosophy around progress is not just about money. Um, so whether the, the legislature is willing to go along with that is something to keep an eye on. Now, before Jeff Riley, the state education commissioner, uh, assumed this post last year, he had been up in Lawrence as um, uh, the guy trying to turn around their school system, right? That's right. Um, and, you know, the governor has really lauded Commissioner Riley's um, for his uh, achievements in Lawrence and his work in that district. And uh, Riley himself has said that this measure isn't meant to be punitive. It's about partnerships and and giving some, uh, he says, a small number of schools another tool they might need. Sure. Now, um, one of the lawmakers who's been pushing most for an overhaul of the school funding formulas through the years is Senator Sonia Chang-Diaz. How does Baker's proposal uh, differ most from what she's been trying to achieve? Yeah, well, you know, both of those bills call for a multi-year phase in, and they both call for significant new money. The difference is really who pays, you know, this this billion dollars in the governor's proposal, like we said, is state and local money. And Chang Diaz, in a, in a series of tweets the other day, referred to it that as padded math in the governor's bill. She says the, hmm. the, found, the figure sounds a lot like what the Foundation Budget Review Commission, which she co-chaired, recommended, but she says a big part of it is is increases that cities and towns will already pay. 
So what's next year? Uh, we're going to look and see what the House might propose. Yeah, and you know we'll see the the House budget before we see the Senate budget. And Speaker DeLeo has talked about working on uh, the foundation budget with some stakeholders on his own. He's had some meetings, so we could see something come out of that there as well, maybe a different path forward. Thanks, Katie. And Matt, you were also covering the budget down there on on Wednesday when the governor uh, unveiled it. This budget would uh, raise spending 1.5% over the current fiscal year, up to a $42.7 billion budget. The governor has said he doesn't need new revenue to pay for the plan. Um, but fill us in. The budget isn't without new revenue, is it? Yes, Sim, that's right. For the education proposal in particular, the governor in this budget, as you said, $42.7 billion overall. But for Chapter 78, he's increasing the support for local public schools by $200 million. He says this can be absorbed into the normal course of state spending. And he thinks over the course of his seven-year education plan, the state can fully absorb the cost of increasing the foundation budgets by the $1.1 billion but he is reaching out and grabbing for some new revenues. There are a number of new taxes for this Republican so-called no-new-taxes governor, and uh, among the things in his budget uh, were the proposals that he rolled out last week, uh, the increase to the real estate transfer tax that he's proposing to put towards uh, climate adaptation plans. He's got a new tax on opioid manufacturers, which uh, he says is within the realm of uh, what is acceptable for taxes because uh, he says they should be on the hook to pay for what he called the carnage that they're causing uh, across Massachusetts in this country with the opioid addiction crisis. And uh, his tax would generate about $14 million to help pay for treatment services. He's also proposing an expansion of the sales tax to cover uh, online purchases made uh, through uh, you know websites, marketplaces uh, like Amazon, uh, eBay, Etsy, where, where third parties like you and me can go on and sell our goods. Uh, people would have to pay uh, a new the 6.25 percent sales tax on those. Uh, he's got another uh, expansion of the tobacco tax. What you would normally pay, say, for a cigar, you would now have to pay the same tax rate on vape products and e-cigarettes. So. Uh, a couple hundred million dollars here in new taxes to pay for uh, key priorities that the governor is uh, looking to invest in in this budget. So does this mean, uh, Matt, that we're in for a big tax debate this spring? Yeah, it does seem to be uh, headed in that direction. By putting these tax proposals into the budget, the governor has made this a uh, so-called money bill, which uh, sounds funny since we're talking about a budget anyway, but anything that changes revenue opens up the door uh, for, most importantly, the Senate to right. tackle. Uh, you know, sometimes the House, if they don't put new taxes, the Senate can't initiate new taxes. But this bill is now wide open because of what the governor has proposed. And uh, the Speaker did not foreclose uh, the idea of uh, accepting some of the governor's tax proposals. Uh, he said he had a good time joking with uh, Governor Baker uh, because the governor's <laughs> so f uh, in favor of or, or, or so uh, proud, I should say, of uh, his, his no new taxes. But uh, the governor really is anti-broad-based taxes, and he sees a distinction. When we talked to him, he actually said what he is putting forward are leveling of the playing field type initiatives. 
Hmm. That is what he's calling these, not taxes. And the speaker said that he'll take a close look at it. So uh, it does seem that, uh, you know, taxes very much on the table uh, in 2019 as we look forward to the 2020 budget. Well, the speaker has also said the same thing generally, opposed generally to broad-based taxes, right? Yeah, he has. He's, uh, you know, he said that he's generally opposed to the type of broad-based taxes. And that's where you get into the distinction between, say, are we going to hike the gas tax that almost everyone pays? Are we going to raise the sales tax or the income tax? Or are we going to go to these more targeted revenue generators like like taxing opioid manufacturers to pay for treatment? And uh, the governor sees a distinction there, uh, but not uh, you know all uh, people do. He's losing some conservatives, including people like Paul Craney of the Mass Fiscal Alliance, who came out after the governor put his budget out and called on the governor to uh, put a moratorium on no- new taxes. And he actually said in an email to me that uh, you know, the, uh, the real estate uh, transfer tax is going to be the last tax that Massachusetts residents pay on their way out of state when they move and leave here. So uh, huh. conservatives not super happy. Citizens for Limited Taxation, another conservative Republican group. Right, Barbara uh, Anderson's old group. Yeah, exactly. Not happy about all the taxes in the governor's budget. It's a, so it's an interesting move for uh, this governor to come out just after he was uh, reelected to a second term and put all these proposals on the table. For sure. All right. Thanks, Matt. Now, Colin, um, over at the CCC this week, uh, in a process that started, I think, early last summer or so, uh, the CCC has continued to churn through the new business licenses. Uh, Now nine retail cannabis stores open, uh, adult-use cannabis, and uh, the commission has licensed more than 100 businesses now. Uh, But the issue of host community agreements remains top of mind for these regulators, prospective licensees and, and pot advocates. Fill us in on uh, where this issue stands now. Sam, this is something that we've talked about before, uh, the issue being these host community agreements that are uh, statutorily required for marijuana businesses uh, to agree to with their host communities. Uh, The CCC has been wrestling with these uh, also since last summer. Advocates and uh, entrepreneurs have pointed to these uh, required agreements as one reason for the slower-than-expected rollout of the retail marijuana market, and they say that they keep um, they keep the smaller businesses uh, from being able to compete with the large, really well-capitalized businesses uh, as the industry here in Massachusetts really gets going. Uh, So this week, the Massachusetts Grower Advocacy Council, this is the group that's hosted that Harvest Cup event in December, the last two years out in Worcester. Uh, So this week, they took their next step towards uh, prodding the CCC to review and regulate these host community agreements by filing a petition for rulemaking with the agency, which is a formal and legal request that the CCC adopt regulations uh, specifically saying that they will regulate host community agreements. So under the law, these host community agreements are supposed to be capped to uh, requiring the business to Uh, contribute up to 3% of their gross sales uh, to their municipality. And the agreements are supposed to be um, sunsetted after five years. Now, the Grower Advocacy Council said they got 77 of these host community agreements and found that 79% of them uh, violate either that 3% cap or would require contributions to the town that might go above that 3% cap. Uh, And a um, a couple of the examples they gave 
said there is a host community agreement between Amherst and Happy Valley Ventures, which requires the company to pay $75,000 on top of the 3% of its gross sales for the, its first year of operations. Uh, Brewster signed an HCA with Nature's Alternative Inc., which the Advocacy Council says uh, requires the company to pay $25,000 above the 3% gross sales. Uh, and in Fall River, they say the city signed nine host community agreements, uh, each of which require companies to pay 4% of gross revenue uh, and an additional uh, amount of money between twenty-five dollars and $50,000. So, uh, Colin, the growers say that they plan to sue the CCC if the commission doesn't act. Uh, is it clear yet what the commission is going to do? It's not, Sam. If anything? Right. So, uh, the Grower Advocacy Council filed this petition last week, last Friday, uh, and they're waiting to hear back from the CCC as to how they're going to proceed. Uh, state law says that every state agency is supposed to have a regulation that spells out how they're going to handle petitions like this, uh, but the CCC does not. Uh, the CCC told me this week that they are reviewing the petition but declined to comment beyond that. So they don't have a prescribed process to work through on this. Uh, but the commission is planning to review all of its regulations uh, during 2019. They're going to get started in the next few months. Uh, and this is something that they could consider uh, at that time. Separately, the Cannabis Control Commission has asked the legislature uh, to amend the marijuana law to give it the explicit authority to regulate these host community agreements. Uh, and uh, this week at, at the commission meeting, Commissioner Shaleen Title uh, thanked Representative Sarah Peake and Senator Julian Sear, uh, who have filed a bill that would do exactly that. The bill language is fairly straightforward. It would uh, add to the marijuana law that the CCC uh, shall regulate and review host community agreements. Although we still don't know uh, for sure who's going to be on the Marijuana Policy Committee or committee assignments haven't yet been made. Yeah, exactly. We don't know how that bill that uh, Peak and Sear filed will be considered. Uh, we don't exactly know how the CCC's request will be considered, given that the uh, chairs of what was the Marijuana Policy Committee uh, have not yet been named. And uh, a little nugget for our takeout listeners. <laughs> so under the uh, Senate's proposed joint rules for the new session, <laughs> the uh, Committee on Marijuana Policy would have a name change and would soon be known as the Committee on Cannabis Policy. And we've been talking in the office about how uh, some advocates have been pushing for this move from marijuana to cannabis, right? Yeah, there are some uh, advocates who have an issue with uh, the word marijuana and prefer uh, cannabis to be used as the the, the uh, moniker for the drug. Hmm, sure. Thanks, Colin. Thanks a lot. And uh, now we turn to our uh, our new friend at the takeout table here, Chris Lisinski. Welcome aboard, Chris. Thanks. I'm uh, very happy to be joining you guys. And uh, you come to us from uh, up in the Merrimack Valley, the Lowell Sun, right? Yep. I think I'm the third member of our newsroom to have jumped from the Lowell Sun to the Statehouse News Service. Not to mention our owner. Right. Our manager, Craig Sandler. Yes. While you were up there, Chris, you uh, you uh, covered the real heated third uh, congressional district race, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. That was the one that had a 10-way Democratic primary that uh, ended with a recount between Lori Trahan and Dan Coe. And eventually, uh, uh, with Lori Trahan topping uh, Rick Green and Mike Mullen in the general election, 
I covered that pretty much from the very beginning all the way through to the very end. I think I wrote the Laurie Trahan Declares Her Candidacy story a year and a half ago. So uh, uh, I was there every step of the way. Wow. And uh, you actually got to kick off your news service experience on Tuesday morning uh, covering uh, Lori Trahan. Yeah, a, a little-known congresswoman that I'd never met before. Uh, <laughs> it was it was fitting in many ways, and she kind of tilted her head and looked at me and said, I, I thought that you left the sun. And I said, yes, I did. I'm here for someone else today. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks, Chris. Happy to have you aboard, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you more in-depth about the news of the week uh, next Friday. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, you got to sample some lunch spots around here this week, I think. Uh, favorite takeout so far on Beacon Hill? Uh, it's going to go to Florina's. Oh, that nice. It's called? Yes. Yes. I, I don't well, know that, what kind of... That was a setup. Yeah, Sam, <laughs> Sam rigged that question. <laughs> that was a setup. There I don't know no what collusion. I'm leading into here, but... <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you all next week. See you, Sam. Bye, Sam. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.